0: Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. Today is August 24th, also known as Black Mamba Day. RIP to the GOAT. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George. How you doing today,
1: George? Doing all right, Drew. You know, I went to Starbucks this morning. You know, to start off my my contested day and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, they they kind of gave me the wrong drink, but I'm one of those guys where like, you know, I don't really like trip off it. I'm like, nah, you don't got to remake it. I'll just take it. I still like it. Mm. Uh, what kind of what kind of person are you, Drew? Are you one of those people that kind of tell them, like, nah, you got to remake my my stuff, or are you kind of more relaxed on some <laughs> of those? Um,
0: as far as my drink, I don't mind, but you know i'm not gonna lie it bothers me when they when they uh spell my name wrong i know sometimes they do it on (laughs) purpose Uh, (laughs) i know sometimes they do it on purpose but you know i'm like man how how you know i want to know how you mess up the name andrew it's what i'm saying you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) like so but anyways uh so i'm glad you're doing today man i know it's you know it's a rough day today for a lot of people um because you know r.i.p to the black mamba so Yep, it's Monday. It's Black Mama Day. So, yep. Yeah, so some of today's topics are going to include what does the future hold for the 76ers? Can the Clippers win their series with Paul George shooting as poorly as he's been shooting? And will Aaron Rodgers finish his career in Green Bay? <laughs> Let's dive headfirst into it here today on Highly Contested. Now, we're going to start off with a surprise topic here on Highly Contested. I want to start by asking our Lakers fan here a question, and I want him to answer it from his heart, which is why I'm surprising him. George, how did Kobe Bryant inspire you to become the Lakers
1: and basketball fan that you are today? Oh, that's a good question. Now, um, I grew up with it, man. He's who I grew up watching, idolizing. I definitely got to throw a shout out to my, my uncle Gerardo. He's the one that got me into basketball, I grew up watching with him. He was a Lakers fan, you know, so I grew up watching basketball with him. And I mean, Kobe just, he instilled that, that Mamba mentality, you know, that everyone knows about now, you know, just to be your best every day, no matter what you're doing, you know, you can be the mailman, you know, you be the best goddamn mailman you can be, you know, doesn't matter if you're an NBA star, you know, or you're at jamba juice or not jamba juice sorry starbucks you know make the best coffee don't spell andrew's name wrong you Mm. know do do your part you know mama mentality be you be but be the best you that you can be every day strive for greatness well spoken well
0: spoken and you know some of our viewers you know maybe they don't know you yet but you know i know you enough to know that 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 came from the heart man
1: you know well spoken oh yeah that was, we, we didn't plan to have that. So that, that was from the heart, right? Yeah. From no thoughts, just straight heart and feeling what I think about Kobe. And man, you know, when, when I found out, uh, just a little segue. So the day I found out, so I work, I work nights as you know, but the listeners might not know. So I work nights. So sometimes I wake up a little on the later side. I wake up early for this podcast. Cause I, I love, I love my fans. You know, we may not have much yet. We might only have a couple. But, you know, we do this podcast for you guys, you know, so I'm waking up early for you guys are staying awake. But when I found out Eric, who you guys have listened to in some of the earlier podcasts, he actually called me and, you know, kind of told me the news. And I, like I said, he woke me up and I was like, "What? like you're lying, bro. Stop lying to me. Like, that's nothing to joke about. So I, you know, got on my phone, got on Twitter, went on Google. And sure enough, it was true, man. It was just a, a sad day, heartbreaking day. Tough for not just laker fans but everyone across the world um to to
0: go off of that of what you're saying uh that day i remember that really well i i remember looking i remember looking at uh at my phone and i remember thinking this is this has got to be a hoax you know what i mean it's 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 one of
1: those it's one of those things especially coming from tmz you know that that was who initially reported it mm. i i remember Thinking back to
0: uh, specifically, I remember thinking back to my I want to say it was right. It was right after I graduated. It was like the summer uh, of my graduation from high school. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember Morgan Freeman. They said something about him passing away. uh, And I was thinking in my head like "What, Morgan Freeman. And then I found out later it was a hoax. And so, you know, ever since then, I was, like, very untrusting of any, you know, anything that would come out of a celebrity passing away. And I remember when that happened, I thought the same thing. I said, yeah, yeah, right. You got to be kidding me. You know, it's for me, it was like, that's extremely disrespectful. How dare you? And then, you know, come to find out that not only was it true, but Gigi as well and it it was just it was a very sad day for families, for dads, for fathers, you know what I mean? For um for wives, for children, for basketball fans, just everywhere.
1: It was a very, very sad day indeed. Yep, rest in peace. And so not only Kobe and Gigi, but everyone else that was on that helicopter, you know. Agreed. Agreed.
0: So let's move on to our plan topics now. Uh, Our first topic, the Boston Celtics complete their sweep of the Philadelphia 76ers yesterday behind a combined effort led by Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum. Joel Embiid had 30 points and 10 rebounds in the loss. Ben Simmons did not play the entire series after confirming he would have surgery on his knee. So, George... What does the future hold for the Philadelphia 76ers?
1: I believe there should be a change coming soon. Um, Definitely next season, I'd say they get rid of Brett Brown, the head coach of the 76ers, and they'll probably run it back another season, see how things go. Cause it's not easy to just, you know, give up on two franchise generational talents that you got on the team. You know, you try to make that work, but I feel like a split between those two Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons will be inevitable. Uh, We've seen in the past, no matter if duos are successful or not successful, you know, sometimes they just split up, you know, we saw Kobe and Shaq split up and they won championships together. You know, Mm. Uh, we saw Kevin Durant and Westbrook split up. I mean, they had some success, but you know, they didn't win a championship or anything. And we, we've seen duos split up all the time. Just one of those things that happen. Um, But I want to trust the process, but this process may need to take a drastic change that may be able to help the franchise in the long run. Uh, We know that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's game don't really mesh together like peanut butter and jelly. But since Ben Simmons refused to shoot and space the floor, it kind of clogs up the paint for Embiid. They're both great talents, but their play styles cancel each other out. If I was running the 76ers organizations and I had to pick between Ben Simmons and Embiid, I would personally keep Ben Simmons. Um, We see that in today's game, the big man isn't as important as we used to see. It's becoming a positionless game. Ben Simmons can play multiple positions, guard multiple positions, and he runs a team. He's the floor leader, the facilitator, and Embiid's health And his motor and willingness to stay in shape is always a question. And if I'm running the team, I don't want to be questioning that for my franchise player all the time. Habits like that are hard to break. And it's also contagious with the role players that see Embiid, you know, not taking things so serious. Then they start to not take it so serious and follow in his footsteps. I also believe that building a team around Ben Simmons would be easier than building a team around Embiid. That's just my opinion on that. Uh, surrounding Simmons with shooters that can spread the floor and allow him to slash to the rim and find open teammates. Almost like the Rockets are doing right now with Westbrook running the show, slashing and playmaking the way the league is moving. I would trade and beat away and see what type of packages you can get in return to help Ben Simmons. We know that teams would give a bounty for a player like Embiid, you know, you get multiple draft picks. You can get shooters to help out Ben Simmons and you'll still be a contender in the Eastern Conference. So again, I think they're going to run it back again, maybe with the new head coach. But down the line, I do see this duo splitting up. And me personally, I'm taking Ben Simmons over Embiid. What do you think the future is like for them, Drew? Well, my
0: first my first thought um, to what you said is you talked about you talked about Embiid, and you talked about how he, if, if you had to keep one of them, you would keep Simmons over Embiid, because today, in, in this game today, the big man is not as important, which I actually, um, I was watching the American Eagle halftime report for, uh, or is the post-game show, actually, not the halftime report, but it was a post-game show on TNT, and, you know, it's Shaq, Chuck, Kenny, and Ernie, they're all, you know, they're all talking, and I remember Kenny and Shaq, they actually are in favor of keeping Joel Embiid. Um, Shaq was voicing his opinion saying he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be like Shaq. He, he's actually more talented than Shaq is. This is coming from Shaq himself.
1: Mm-hmm. He was
0: saying that Embiid is more talented than Shaq is. Shaq was just saying that he was just, he was just bigger than everybody else, which is why he was able to dominate so easily. And basically he was making the argument that Joel Embiid has uh, has good uh, ball handling skills and he can shoot the three as well. Maybe not as well as a lot of other three-point shooters, of course, in this league, but he can still do it. And for a big man, he can do it pretty well, which is why Shaq was saying that Joel Embiid actually has more talent than Shaq does. And Kenny... Kenny sort of voiced his opinion on it. He said the one time that Joel Embiid stuck out to him was during the All-Star game where it was at the end of the game and it was close and it was competitive because you know how, you know how the All-Star game, it, it got competitive at the very end when it, when it was close in score. And keep in mind, these are, these are the superstars of the league. You know, these are, these are the guys and they're all on the same teams and they they were all going at it with each other uh, at the very end. And it got competitive and Joel Embiid, Kenny, this is from Kenny's words. Uh, Joel Embiid was able to post up and take on the league's best defenders in the post and was, was just mopping the floor with them. and, I thought to myself' that's actually a great point because I remember watching that game as well, and I remember thinking the same thing. I remember thinking, nobody can guard this guy if he really you know if he really puts his mind to it, nobody can guard this guy, so I think it's more a matter of play design, and I think it's more a matter of just enforcing that. And Bede is not a is not a is not primarily a shooter, is not primarily a ball handler. He is primarily a big man and the most talented big man in the league. So it's I think it's about enforcing that. And I think you're right. I think there might be a coaching change because I don't believe the coach is doing a good enough job of that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that's a separate that's a separate topic for another day. What I'm going to go into is I'm going to go
1: into some of my key facts, uh, real quick. Before you do that, you mind if I uh, yeah respond go to that that point you just made? Now I think you said something important there, Drew. You said if he puts his mind to it, mm-hmm. that's what you said, and that's what I'm questioning with him, and that's why I'm saying I would pick Ben Simmons. Mm. Um, the fact that we got to question if his mind is in it, you know, his motor, his work ethic, his availability to stay in shape and on the court, you know, like that, that says a lot to me. That says volumes. And that's why, again, you know, I'm picking Ben Simmons because he can have all the time. If he's not putting in that effort or his mind's not in it, like you're trying to say, then – I'd, I'd rather have someone else that will. Maybe he's a little less talented, but he's putting in that work. He's putting in that effort, and we're going to get 100% of him versus maybe 80% you know, from Embiid. Mm. So
0: before I address that, I'm going to go into my first point. My first point is – uh, they got to get a better bench. They absolutely have to get a better bench. Let's look at the four games that they played versus the Celtics. Game one, their bench scored the most points they scored in the series. That was 23 points. Game two, they scored 20 points. Uh, and game three, they scored nine points, which that is terrible. Honestly, nine points game four. They scored 13 points. Their bench just didn't perform. And the bottom line, you cannot be a championship team in this league without a decent bench. That's my, yeah. That's my first point. My second is this is now addressing kind of your point on your, you keeping Ben Simmons. I would personally run it back, like you said, but this is the year they figure out if Ben Simmons is the future. This guy's been in the league for four years now, and he's not developed a jump shot. This is a player who would be a superstar if he does develop a jump shot. But since he has not developed one yet, I'm not sure if he ever will. Because as the great saying goes, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And if he's in the league for five years and hasn't developed one, I don't know if he ever will. So assuming he doesn't develop a jump shot with his recent injury, you have to wonder if it's worth keeping a player who has that kind of potential but won't tap into it. Now, you're making the same argument for Embiid. Well, is it worth keeping a player with that kind of potential but won't tap into it? So it makes it makes me honestly realize that the more we talk about this, the more I think we're in agreement that both these players have potential but have not tapped into it. And it's disappointing when you think about that. I mean, you look at players like Donovan Mitchell and Luka Doncic who they are they're stepping up in these playoffs – they're tapping into their potential. Uh, Jason Tatum is another player that we see that is the same idea. Um, I just don't, I just don't think that the coach is doing a good enough job of tapping into that potential. And I think that somebody needs to come in and do a better job of tapping into that potential. Now, some other keynotes I have, I think Richardson is a solid player. I think, Horford was a good pickup that hasn't shown its worth yet. But I think it will show its worth. And I just think it hasn't done so yet. But there definitely needs to be some changes in the team
1: looking towards the future. And that's my bottom line. Agreed. And uh, to your bench uh, not performing, I mean, I got to blame, you know, the organization for that. You know, you don't just get rid of J.J. Redick, one of the best, three-point shooters, you know, in the league today. Mm. You don't just let Jimmy Butler walk out, you know, Mm. and not really replace him. Not that you can replace him directly, but I mean, you really didn't do anything, you know? So, you don't just let players walk away and expect to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I I do agree with the bench players, but that, to me, is the organization. And, um, yeah, like I said, uh, they'll probably run it back with a new coach. And hopefully this new coach can maybe get Ben Simmons to shoot some more threes. We've seen him shoot a couple, but yeah, he's gotta definitely shoot more than just a couple in his career. You know we're not talking about a couple a game; he's only shot a couple in his career, so I mean, even if the guy develops a decent mid
0: range, that alone would be deadly enough to for teams to have to you know pull in and respect the fact that he is a shooter,
1: you know, so yeah that that's my, why am i also i can't talk this morning apparently but um, apparently, um that's why i'm picking ben simmons cuz i do think even if he doesn't develop that jump shot it's easier to just surround him with shooters and let him slash versus clogging up the paint with embiid you know so i i feel like if you just surround him with those right pieces you let him do his bread and butter of what his game is which is slash into the hoop and he can just kick out to open shooters or open people that are cutting in the lanes, or he could just dunk it, or you know do a post play or something like that. Whether than having Embiid, I'm just going Ben Simmons over Embiid.
0: You know, another thing I noticed I was watching these games, uh, and I've been you know I've been watching 76ers games for um, for a bit now, not not avidly, but you know enough of the 76ers games and uh I was watching all these games these uh these four games that they played against the Celtics and I don't think you know when you have a guy as talented as Embiid you you know the biggest thing is you got to run some pick and roll I mean you see you see in in like I was watching the Jazz Nuggets series and both teams are always involving Gobert and Jokic in their in pick and rolls and both both players are very talented big men just like Embiid and I'm thinking they got to you know they got to do a better job of incorporating some pick and roll in this offense so that Embiid can you know get that ball in some good spots in my opinion mhm but let's go ahead and move forward keeping on the Celtics They have now moved on to the second round of the playoffs, along with their next opponent, the Toronto Raptors, who have completed their sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. Kyle Lowry left the game in the first quarter of that game four with an ankle injury and would not return. So, George, Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics, who you got?
1: This is going to be a good series right here. I'm going to go with Celtics in seven. I think this is going the distance. Both really good teams. Um, the Raptors were one of the best teams in transition when pushing the ball in the open court. But the Celtics were ranked as one of the best teams in preventing transition points. So the Raptors were averaging 27.8 points in transition, which was the highest. The Celtics only gave up 17.7 points. Which was the fifth lowest. So these two teams, they, they play defense. Uh, Raptors depend on easy transition buckets, and but their half court offense was ranked 16th in the NBA, which is you know halfway there, right? So that's not that good. Uh, Jalen Brown plays excellent defense on Siakam. He only held them to 23 points on 10 of 24 shooting from the field in the two games they played each other. He also played his best game against Siakam in the bubble. Uh, Boston plays good defense. They like to switch a lot and should be able to take advantage. And I just think this is going to be a good game, you know? The Raptors are on fire. They're the defending champs. But I'm still not completely confident in Kyle Lowry when it comes down to the biggest games. Mm.
0: Yeah, and, you know, to your... Last point, Kyle Lowry. Um, well, one thing that we know is that he does have this ankle energy, and he is supposed to get an MRI on it uh, this morning. So we, mm-hmm. um, those results might be in, and we just haven't heard. Uh, we don't know. So, But I agree with you. I have Boston winning this series. I think they have too many weapons, and I think their small ball lineup is creating some excellent matchups. Uh, they averaged 39 points. In the paint versus the 76ers, which says a lot about their confidence in driving in the paint, regardless of their smaller size. I will say that they need to improve their three point percentage. They only shot over 35% versus the 76ers uh, from the three point range once the entire series versus the 76ers. It was game three. Game three, they only shot, uh, is the only game that they shot over 35% from three. That needs to improve heading into this matchup versus the Raptors. But all things considered, I like Boston more than Toronto in a head-to-head matchup. I got the Celtics winning this series in six games. I debated between seven and six, and
1: I concluded six. It's an Interesting pick. I was also debating between six and seven. But, I mean, Raptors are still looking good. I guess we'll still have to keep an eye out for uh, Lowry's injury. Mm. But I think this will be a good series.
0: Uh, one thing I, one thing I questioned when I was looking at the Raptors is did they look good or did they just look good versus an injured Nets team? I, that, that was what I asked myself and I don't know, I have a feeling
1: it's more so the latter. Yeah. But I mean, they were looking good before, you know, the playoffs, so Mm. Mm. yeah, they were, but we're, well. we're also going to have to see who's going to step up, you know, is, uh, Siakam really that guy that can take over late game? Or is it going to be Fred Van Vliet who takes those big shots? You know, who who's who's going to be the man when it comes down to the end?
0: Yeah, we're going to have to see. I think that, that question is going to have to be answered in this series for sure because I think they got away with it a little bit here and there versus the Nets. I mean, Fred Van Vliet in game four, he only had nine points. So uh, the the bench – the bench played a historically great game. It was the most points ever scored by a bench in a playoff game, actually. So mm. um, I think that they got I think they got away with it a little bit versus the Nets, but this series, they're gonna have to answer that question for sure. Let's move on now to the Mavericks Clippers thriller yesterday. The Clippers owned the first half, but it was a tale of two halves as the Mavericks controlled the second half leading to a tie game at the end of regulation. The Clippers and Mavericks would go back and forth, but Luka Doncic hits the game-winning shot as time expired to seal the victory to even the series. Paul George scored only nine points in the loss to the Mavericks. So, George, can the Clippers win this series with Paul George shooting
1: as poorly as he's been shooting? There's no way they could win any series with Paul George playing the way he's been playing. Now they might be able to win a game here or there like they did in what game three, they were able to come out with the win. Um, But there's no way they could win a series when their second best player is barely able to get average, what, like 10 points. That's not going to cut it. Uh, We've seen players in the past, you know, have bad games. It happens, but you can't be that number two guy and only score So little. Um, Paul George has shown to not always show up when the lights get the brightest. He's shown to have poor shooting performances in the playoffs. Let's go through some of those games. So in 2017, in the first round in game four against Cleveland, he shot five of 21 for 15 points. In 2018, in the first round in game two against Utah, he shot six of 21 for 18 points in that same series. But game six, he shot two for 16 for only five points in 2019 in the first round in game three against Portland. He shot three of 16 for 22 points. And in 2020 in the first round against Dallas, he shot four of 17 for 14 points in game three he shot three of 16 for 11 points. And in game four, he shot three of 14 for only nine points. So Paul George is showing not to be that guy, but luckily he has, he doesn't have to be that guy, right? He doesn't got to be the number one guy on the team. He has Kawhi Leonard and a great supporting cast with players such as Lou Williams, who can go out there and get you 36 points off the bench like he did in game four. But Paul George has to be more reliable consistent if the clippers will have any chance of making a deep playoff run remember this is just the first round and they're not going to get easier as they progress through the playoffs if they progress and he's already put on the stretch for terrible games this series against the mavericks so what are your thoughts on this drew
0: i have a different opinion from you i believe they definitely can win this series with paul george shooting as poorly as he's been shooting uh because of the fact that he's been shooting as poorly as he's been shooting and they have still been competing. Um, he, He still contributes in other ways. His defense, his rebounding, his ball handling, his playmaking. Did you know that he had nine rebounds and seven assists in that game three victory? Not a lot of people know about that because his performance, his overall performance in that game was overshadowed by Kawhi's 36 points. He almost had like the quietest triple-double, I think, in playoff history. But he had a great game in every way but shooting the ball, which is why it gets overlooked. I think Mm -hmm. I understand that he needs to shoot the ball better, but there's more to basketball than just shooting and scoring, and Paul George has shown that he can be that sort of Swiss Army knife for this team. Now, I don't buy that he will continue to shoot as poorly as he's been for the past few games he had a great game shooting the ball in game one and even came up with the dagger to seal the win in that game. But since then, he has been poor shooting the ball. I believe he will improve this shooting in game five. But even if he doesn't, they can compete because he still contributes in every other category on the stat sheet. And that is my take.
1: What are your thoughts? So back to one of your points on how they're still competing with his poor shooting. You also got to remember, Christoph Porzingis did not play in game four. And it was so close. So I can only imagine if he was playing, maybe it's not so close. And they need more scoring from Paul George um, to win. You still got to score more points than the other team. That, that's still how you win this game. And they're not really you're, – you're talking about his defense and this and that. But, I mean, the Mavericks, they're still scoring at a ridiculous rate. They're still one of the best uh, offensive rating teams in history. So their defense isn't really slowing down that Mavericks team and people are stepping up. You know, Seth Curry's playing awesome. Burke, mm. he's playing good. Bobon, you know, you throw him the ball right next to the rim, he doesn't even have to jump to dunk it. Mm. He's a he's a mismatch. So at the end of the day, you still got to score more than the other team. And Paul George, I'm not saying he's got to go out there and get 30, 40 points, but he's got to be reliable and consistent and at He's got to get more than 10 points, man. You know, that's like... He's averaging like two points a quarter. Mm. That's got, he's got to do better than that. You know, for the player he is, nine points in a playoff game? Can't have that. Mm.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think his shooting will get better. Um, the, I, I still believe they can win this series. Now, will they win a championship? No, they won't win a championship with him shooting as poorly as he even shooting. But... He, they can win the series with him shooting this poorly. It'll be it'll be a slugfest, but they can still win it. Now I'm gonna kind of go into the very end of that game. Luka Doncic's game winning shot. Um, I don't know about you, but I watched the I watched the game winning shot, um, thinking the entire time, why would they why would they allow the switch? of Reggie Jackson on Luka Doncic in the last shot of the game. I don't understand that. If I'm Kawhi or Paul George, I'm jumping on that. I'm not allowing I'm not allowing Reggie Jackson to play defense on Luka at the very end of the game. I don't understand why that even happened. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I I agree. I mean, what I would do even if there was like that that screen and switch, I would double Luka get the ball out of his hands and you make someone else hit that shot. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things, like they were saying, uh, was it the Nets player was saying about Damian Lillard. He's like, I don't care if that's CJ McCollum in the corner. I don't care if that's Michael Jordan in the corner, you guard Damian Lillard and you do not let him shoot that ball Mm. because he's going to shoot it. And it's going in. I got that same mentality with Luca. You double that man and you let someone else make that play. You do not let him beat you. Um yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Agreed, uh,
0: because I mean I I mean he hit a he hit an open shot. I mean, he, you know, he shook Reggie Jackson and he shot an open shot. So, oh, yeah. I mean, what's you know, what's what's worse? Him shooting an open shot or the guy i can't remember who it was i mean I, that should tell you enough about the about the play but i can't remember who it was that even screened to get the switch on him that the, the guy that reggie jackson was originally covering
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I, can't, I don't even remember who it was but i mean who would you rather have shooting that open shot at the end of the game would you rather have that guy the random guy or would you rather have luka doncic For me personally i'd rather have the random guy
1: no yeah um like i said man you you make someone else beat you and you live with the results, you know what I mean? If mm. if that other player is able to hit it, you know, kudos, GG. But I'm not letting Luca beat me that way, you know, and he's got a nasty step back. And I mean, that's what the Mavericks did. The
0: Mavericks have impressed me a lot defensively this entire series. But that's what the Mavericks did. They, you know, they doubled Kawhi late in the game, and Kawhi had to give the ball to Marcus Morris, who hit who hit a big shot. It was a big three pointer that mm-hmm. he hit. But
1: you, know, that, you you live with those.
0: You you live with that. Absolutely. You know, that's that's anyway. Let's move on to the let's move on from the NBA and start talking about the NFL. The NFL revealed yesterday morning that a series of positive COVID nineteen results have been traced to a laboratory in New Jersey. Multiple teams were affected, such as the Browns, Jets, Steelers, Vikings, Patriots, and Giants. There were many teams that reported false positive test results such as the bears packers and lions leading the nfl to believe that the testing program itself that was established at the lab is what caused the positive test results however there is still a question of how this affects the state of the nfl so george do you believe these positive covid19 results raise concerns about the state of the nfl
1: Yeah, I'm going to say this is a huge concern with the state of the NFL with these positive COVID tests. I have huge concerns for the upcoming football season. It doesn't seem like they have a great plan put in place, but still plan on having these games with no real, like, adjustments. We've seen other sports adjust better and make proper protocols. We see the NBA, the NHL create Mm. a bubble environment with proper precautions to keep their players, staff, and everyone that's involved safe. We also seen the MLB cut their games from 162 games to only 60 games this season. We see how the MLB has handled their restart without a bubble or a great plan and had to postpone around 37 games due to positive COVID cases. If the NFL is already seeing plenty of positive COVID uh, tests and the season hasn't started, imagine how many will show up when they actually start. It's a full contact sport without much isolation since there is no bubble. What will they do when a majority of the team contracts COVID? How will they respond when multiple teams have it? Will they postpone their games and how will the NFL, how will that work in the NFL setting? It's a lot easier for sports like baseball to postpone their games and be able to make that up. Uh, remember if one team needs to be isolated because of a breakout then so will the other team that they were supposed to play or had just played and how do you make that up in the following weeks when other teams have already played and they're scheduled to play someone else Uh, i'm not confident in the nfl season playing a full 16 plus playoffs not not the way it's constructed along with the pandemic Um, what are your thoughts on that drew but well, first, I want
0: to start off by um, I want to start off by pointing out that these test results the the reason why these test results are a big deal, I guess you could say is because most of the players actually most of the players actually believe wholeheartedly that they didn't have the virus, and after further tests, a lot of those false positive results became a thing so the question, the question of concern is about the actual testing protocol that was going on at this New Jersey lab. So the question was, do these positive COVID-19 test results raise concerns about the state of the NFL? I actually believe there's some good to these test results. So the idea is there's these results, they come back positive, even though the players believe wholeheartedly that they don't have the virus. Most of the teams affected spoke up saying that all their positive tests were false. So first off, these test results that happen now when the season has not started yet, which means that the NFL has time to adjust the testing program to ensure that they have a surefire way to test for COVID-19 once the season starts. Another positive sign was the NFL is, it showed that the NFL is not messing around because they, uh, they are making sure that every player with a positive result has two consecutive test results that come back negative before they come back to any, to any sort of action with their team. I believe that this shows that the NFL is doing everything in their power to ensure that if a positive test result comes around, that they, that they ensure that it, that it's a true positive test as opposed to a false positive test. Overall, I think this was a minor setback at worst and there are more positives than negatives when it comes to these false positive test results, furthering the idea that the NFL is more prepared now to start the season than they were two days ago. That's my take on it, though. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you say um, it's a good, you know, it's good because it gives them time to fix, you know, if these are false or not. But the NFL season, it's supposed to start, start in September 10th. So that's not a long time from now to, you know, fix a lot of these issues and you know we're going to question the test that they're having in new jersey i'm not going to question it too much because i mean this is the nfl they're a huge industry they're pouring tons of money into this so i i'm not going to question you know a lot of that because i believe they got the best resources available you know this is a huge industry and they're dependent on this now like i said it kind of feels like the nfl they're kind of being stubborn in a sense, you know, like they haven't pushed back their season. Like some of these other sports, they at least pushed it back to at least get a grasp on things, figure out what's the best way to do it. And not just that, like I even said about baseball, they cut their games hugely. They went from 162 to 60 games. Mm. And, you know, the NFL, they're still planning on doing the full 16. You know, they're not cutting back. I mean, I think there's some solutions that could work, you know, for the NFL. But we'll see how it turns up. Yeah,
0: they're thinking that, they're thinking that the season will still be successful with, uh, with a full 16-game season. And they're thinking that it, it won't need to be postponed or anything. So we'll, we'll see. We'll definitely see if that's the case or not. Let's move on to a different topic in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers moved up in the 2020 NFL Draft which led many to believe that they would take a receiver in this deep class of receivers to help out Aaron Rodgers. They surprised many by picking Jordan Love with the 26th pick in the draft, leading many to believe they are making their preparations to move on from QB Aaron Rodgers. So, George, will Aaron Rodgers
1: finish his career in Green Bay? I think the obvious answer to that is no. Like like you already stated, the Packers moved up in the draft to acquire Jordan Love, who plays the same position, quarterback. They drafted his replacement, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy about it, Um, especially because last time they drafted a quarterback in the first round, it so happened to be Aaron Rodgers himself, who ended up replacing Brett Favre. I believe sometime soon Aaron will find a way to leave and play for another team. The one team that I have in mind for him to go to would be the bears. Couple reasons for that on why I think that's a good spot for him. The first one is, I mean, it's kind of like a petty reason. Honestly, if you're the bears, guess who you get to play twice a season. Mm. You you get to play the Packers Mm. and you know, you get to play the Packers twice a season, get to prove them wrong and show them why they should have kept you instead of replacing you. Um, The football reason, though, is the Bears, they have an elite defense, which would be great for Aaron Rodgers, you know, take some of that load off his back so that he's not doing everything. Um, He would have weapons such as Allen Robinson, who's a solid underrated receiver, in my opinion, along with Anthony Miller and David Montgomery. I think this would be a nice landing spot for him with talent that they have, and uh, like I said, they'll play Green Bay twice a year and remind them how they screwed this up. Jude, do you think he's staying in Green Bay? If not, would you say, what team would you say is a great fit for him to finish his career at?
0: This is one of those topics that I'm seeking more from the heart than my head. I don't believe for a second that he will finish his career in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. I believe that this was the lowest of blows to Aaron Rodgers. This is the greatest QB in Packers history. Better even than Brett Favre when you look at the statistics. Now Favre had Favre had more yards, more touchdowns, uh, and more interceptions, of course. But he also played more games than Aaron Rodgers. Let's look at the statistics that compare averages. Since Rodgers uh, since Rodgers hasn't played as many games as Favre, we're gonna look at we're gonna look at Three stats. First, that he has a better completion percentage than Favre. So, throughout their careers, Favre has had, uh, Rodgers has had a better completion percentage than Brett Favre. He's also had a better average of yards per attempt with each throw. And lastly, he's had a better touchdown to interception ratio, and that one is not even close. He is their best QB in history. And he was ready for another attempt at a Super Bowl this year. But they chose to draft his replacement instead of getting him the help he has never gotten and definitely deserves. He will move on either next offseason or the 2022 offseason. So now the question is, where will he go? I believe there's two teams that he can go to. I believe the Steelers would be a good destination for him. This is a team that will be losing Big Ben soon and will have a good team, but will need a good quarterback. Rodgers can fit that role very nicely. And he will finally have a top 10 defense since, wait a minute, since he won the Super Bowl in 2011. Let that sink in. He has not had, he has not had a top 10 defense since that Super Bowl in 2011. I also believe that the Colts will be a good spot for him. This would be miserable for me personally, being a Jaguars fan. But he would fit in that system for similar reasons why he would fit in Pittsburgh. Great defense, great offensive line. They'll be needing a QB soon. Obviously, Rivers is more of a temporary uh, QB to to address their QB concerns that they had last year. So my two possible landing destinations for him are Steelers and Colts.
1: Yep, those are, I'd say, some pretty good choices myself. I mean, it seems like what we had in common picking these teams is great defense. Mm. I mean, the Bears got elite defense also. Um, Pittsburgh, that's a—that's an interesting one. I, I like that one. I don't think I've really heard anyone say that one, or not too many people. Uh, great historic franchise great team ready to win right now. If you Mm. put the right quarterback in place, you know, got good receivers, got a decent run game, great defense, you know, like I said, great coach, Mm. great, great franchise. I like that one. Mm.
0: What do you think of the possibility, George, that he goes to the team that he originally wanted to be drafted on, which is the San Francisco 49ers?
1: I think, oh, that, that'd be a good one. Um, now, would they get rid of Jimmy G for him? That's the question because Jimmy G, yeah, he's not flashy, you know, throwing a lot, throwing big touchdowns, but he's, he's proven a winner. He's a winner. He doesn't lose often. Um, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers would love that, you know, kind of go back home, finish your career at the team you grew up loving. I mm. don't think that's a bad spot either. And, again, that's another team great defense.
0: Mm. I think that that would be almost a storybook ending for him because of the fact that he has proven many times that he has been the better quarterback than any quarterback. The uh, 49ers have drafted in recent years and even traded for it's you, you were, you were saying, Oh, it's a question of him versus Jimmy G. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but I'm taking Rogers any day over Jimmy G. Uh I believe that I believe that if Rodgers is in the Super Bowl with that Niners team versus the Chiefs, I believe that the Niners win that game for sure.
1: Yeah, um, it'd be a great game for sure, but we're also talking about if we're talking about right now, you gotta trade for them, right? So hmm. I mean, how much are the Niners willing to give up for them? I mean, they're already a Super Bowl caliber team so are you really willing to give up a lot just for a quarterback change when your quarterback is not the greatest quarterback but he's also not the worst quarterback and he's a proven winner you know are you willing to dismantle your team for an Aaron Rodgers who's on the older side you know I think that's an important question to ask
0: I mean I will say this Rodgers is hitting that throw to Emmanuel Sanders at the end of the game and that throw and that's a touchdown for sure Rodgers is, is, he will hit that throw. And Jimmy G, you know, he showed us that wide open, a wide open Emmanuel Sanders, you know, streaking down the middle, he couldn't hit him. He overthrew him. So, I mean, yeah. I think the nerves got to him, but go ahead.
1: Uh, Let me just ask you a question then. um, Since we're on this Jimmy G, Aaron Rodgers debate, right? Mm. Uh, Who beat Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs?
0: Uh, I believe that the 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs, George.
1: Yep. Your boy Jimmy G put a little ass
0: whooping on your boy Aaron Rodgers. Mm. <laughs> I believe the defense stepped up and the run game stepped up. I do not believe for a second <laughs> that Jimmy G outplays Aaron Rodgers that game.
1: Hey, we we put a lot of blame and a lot of uh, – a lot of uh... – I can't think of the the opposite for that right now, but um, a lot of praise. Yeah, a lot of praise. That's the word I was looking for on quarterbacks. So mm. Jimmy G ended up beating Aaron Rodgers in that game. So yeah, do you, re- do you really trade and lose pieces for that guy that just lost to the guy that you currently have?
0: Yep, hundred percent, I do. I mean, you're you're talking about you're talking about essentially you're talking I- about the Warriors. Versus uh, the Thunder and Kevin Durant signing with the Warriors after this, this is essentially
1: what you're talking about. No, 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 no. Um, that that's not what I'm I'm talking about because for in order for the Niners to get them at least right now, they'd have to trade for them. And for a an Aaron Rodgers caliber player, you're giving up a lot. So to to bring this for, uh, I mean, I just don't think. I'm not saying Aaron or Jimmy G is better than Aaron Rodgers. That is not what I'm saying. Head-to-head, head, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. But you got to think about the trade. You know, you're, it's not just – he's not a free agent. If he's a free agent, that's different. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, in the right now, right, this mm-hmm. next season, um, if you have to trade for him, I might not pull that trigger because you're already in contentions for that Super Bowl. Why blow up your team or future draft picks – when draft picks are important in the NFL, you know, youth is important in some of these positions. So to give up a lot for Aaron Rodgers, who's on the older side, yeah, he might be better than Jimmy G, but you're blowing up your team for an older quarterback when the, your your current quarterback just beat him in the playoffs.
0: It's a very similar situation to the Denver Broncos, uh, except that, you know, of course, the Denver Broncos, they signed Peyton Manning as as opposed to trading for him. But, um, you know, essentially, you know, besides that, the same situation, Peyton Manning late his late in his career, trying to prove that he can win and uh, the Colts giving up on him. It, you know, it was the Colts, the Colts drafting his replacement, which at the time was Andrew Luck, you know. So I think it's a, I think it's a very similar situation to that. And I believe that you, I believe that you do go and get that guy. Now, would I, would, would I trade for him? It depends on if I'm, you know, if it, de- if it depends on if I'm wanting to win now. You know, I think the Niners they want to win now. You know, so I would personally trade for him. But if they, if they want to wait a year, uh, maybe two, then I, that's understandable as well because, uh, you know, that'll give them time to figure out if Jimmy G is really that guy. And if Jimmy G doesn't prove himself, I'm
1: for sure going after Aaron Rodgers to find San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm not debating Aaron Rodgers, who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy G. I'm just saying as far as trading for him, I mean, we also saw what the Niners look like without Jimmy G when he got hurt versus when they had him. And it's a complete difference. Like I said, he's a winner. He's going to go win new games. He didn't win the biggest of games, but he was there. Mm. Well,
0: that is all the time we have today for, uh, for today, everyone. So I would like to thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Have a good one, everyone.